blessings to you today. Aren't you thankful for the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. What a great God. Thank you, Jesus, for another day, for the privilege of being in your house. God, we thank you. We give you honor this morning. You alone are God, and we praise you today. We worship you in this house, oh God. Thank you for the privilege of being in your presence once again. Thank you, Lord, for saving us and filling us with your spirit. We thank you today, God. We magnify you this house, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Give him a hand clap and shout of praise this morning. What a mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Thankful. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord with us today. And last week we talked about the attitude of worship and part of that attitude being persistence that we worship God even when it seems like he's silent talked about the woman who came needing a miracle for her daughter and when she approached the Lord it said that he didn't answer her or say anything he just kept going about his business but she was persistent and her statement of faith and her humility and bowing down before him in worship uh, caused him to recognize that she had great faith and she got a miracle for her daughter. And so we want to have the right attitude as we worship the Lord because he's always worthy of worship. No matter what's going on, he's worthy. Today we're going to talk about the expression of worship. And this is one where a lot of people have maybe have a lot of ideas and opinions about but um, he is worthy of worship so we must choose to express our worship uh, to him we can't just say well yeah I worship the Lord I think that it ought to be evident and I'm not just always talking about the running or the stomping or the that but I'm talking about in the way we live our life we live our life uh, in a lifestyle of worship the things that we do, everyday things that we do, show that we worship Him. Uh, the way we talk about things or our ideas show that we worship Him. And so uh, today we're going to talk about the expression of worship. In Second Samuel uh, chapter 6, and verses 16 through 23, we'll read down through here. Familiar story about David. It says, And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings he blessed his people in the name of the Lord of hosts and he dealt among all the people even among the whole multitude of Israel as well to the women as men to everyone a cake of bread a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine so all the people departed everyone to his house and David returned to bless his household and Michael the daughter of Saul came out to meet David and said how glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. And David said unto Michael, It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people 
of the Lord over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord, and I will yet be more vile than thus, and will be base in mine own sight. And of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. Let's pray for our lesson this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. And we're thankful and privileged to be able to come into this house to worship you in spirit and in truth. Let us learn from your word and be encouraged by it. Receive it today into good ground so we can be changed, so we can grow and be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thankful for the word of the Lord this morning. Praise God. So the expression of worship. Now, to kind of understand maybe why David was so expressive in his worship, let's go back and, and look back uh, at some things about David. Um, because at this point, you know, we, a lot of people think of David as uh, the, he is the king of Israel. He's a, a warrior king. You know, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. We know David slew Goliath. But um, before that, you look back in his life and you realize that David was not always a king. And he was not always a soldier or a warrior. But he was uh, simply a shepherd. And maybe we've read of his accounts how he... He testified of how God delivered the lion uh, into his hand. And I, I think about maybe how he must have felt uh, sitting and watching the flock and knowing this was his responsibility and realizing when this lion has come about and, and what must have come over him because he said God delivered this lion into his hand. Wonder what it felt like when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him as he saw this lion, the feeling he had as he ultimately slew that lion, delivered that, that sheep out of his mouth and and took care of the flock that was under his charge and and uh, there was something that happened. I'm sure there was a, a boldness that came over him that only God can give and a courage. Definitely it would have to be God because if I see a lion, uh I might have to go into a different business besides watching sheep. Uh, you know, unless I knew it was God giving me the ability uh, to do this. You just don't uh, take on things without the Lord being involved. But think about the day that David is sitting watching the flock, and it's a day like any other day. But uh, someone, a messenger, comes running up on him and is like, David, your dad is requesting your presence back at the house. You need to come home now. Uh I don't know if he tells him for what reason. It's just, look, I was just come to get you, so come on. You need to get back to the house. And as David starts getting close to home, he sees this gathering. It's his brothers, his dad, his family, and he recognizes the prophet Samuel is standing there. And Samuel has made the declaration, we're not going to relax. We're not going to sit or do anything until you get this last son up here. And Samuel recognizes immediately by the Spirit of the Lord that this is God's anointed. As David is walking up, probably sweating from the walk, you know, been out in the fields working. He's not clean. He's not dressed up. He's not in fine clothes. He's in shepherd clothes. You don't need to be dressed nice to take care of those sheep. 
And so, but he gets there and maybe Samuel says, I need you to, you know, just maybe kneel down so I can get to the top of your head. And he begins to pour this oil over David's head and anoint him as uh, a future king of Israel. In that moment, I'm sure David felt power. I'm sure it was more than just the coolness or the wetness of the oil that was going over him, but he began to feel that same presence that he felt when that lion came out or that bear came out. He began to feel the power of God come upon him that maybe as he would play and worship and sing to the Lord while he was watching over those sheep. You know, he he didn't just become the psalmist after he was anointed. And so he, he has this uh, relationship with God, except now this time he's not alone. It's not just the sheep staring at him. Now he's got his brothers looking at him. Now his dad is watching the servants of the household are, are looking at him, and uh, they're witnessing something happen to David that David had had probably happened many times before. The power of God came over him, and David knew that something like this was going to change his life forever. Now, expression in worship, and what I'm trying to paint a picture of here is that David, uh, we start out looking at David as he's dancing before the Lord and he's king of Israel, but David was a worshiper long before he was king. He was a worshiper first, and his, uh, he didn't just learn to do the king's worship dance. David, I believe, danced in that field with those sheep. I believe David uh, had a, an expressive worship. Uh, uh, you know, it's easy sometimes when we're by ourselves to just worship and cry and, and holler. You ever been riding down the road in your car and just out loud, just lift your voice and praise God or just get excited about uh, the Lord just moving upon you? Have you ever felt the presence of the Lord where you had to move? I have. I remember the first time I ever felt it like that. I, I remember the first time I felt the presence of God like that was the night I came to the altar. The night I came down, it wasn't just emotion and me uh, just crying. and cause it, it, it wasn't even an emotion. It was the presence of the Lord. And I remember what it felt like. And, and as my body began to tremble under the presence of God and the Spirit of the Lord moved upon me, I, I, I knew that this was something different. And, and man, I jumped up and I was hands waving and trembling. You, you couldn't control it. But I didn't want to control it. I didn't want to stop it. I just wanted to worship God. And I remember that feeling again when uh, God confirmed my ministry and a, a man uh, spoke to me through the Spirit and told me what I would be doing uh, down the road for the Lord. And I remember it when he laid his hands on me to pray for me, the power of God that ran over me and that presence that I felt that it caused me to collapse into the floor. I remember riding uh, in my truck one time, praying and uh, upset early on in my walk with God, struggling, trying to figure out where I was at. And I remember questioning out loud, God, where am I? And as soon as I said that, the cab of my truck filled up with the presence of the Lord. And, and it was the Spirit, just it, in the way the Spirit speaks to me anyway, it, just, it was like I, I heard the words. It says, you're right where I want you. And everything was fine from that point on. I, was, and, and I'm going down the road with my knee on the steering wheel and both hands in the air. Expressive worship. And uh, there are people today as well, I don't believe you have to. You know, I don't argue with people about that. But what a sad way to, to live for God. To sit like God's never done nothing for you. 
Well, I don't see the need for clapping my hands. Well, the scripture says clap your hands. I don't see a need for dancing. Praise him in the dance. I mean, you know, lift up your voice. Shout unto God. It's, it's over and over again. And then without even just the direct command, the, the examples of people in scripture who would worship God. I mean, they come across the Red Sea. They didn't just keep walking. They had a praise break. They broke out the tambourines and began to dance and began to sing to God because he had brought them through. Well, it'd be something if everybody that came through the water would worship like that. Well, come on. We need to might as well uh, be who we are. We might as well be expressive in our worship. I mean, that's, that's what people, they're going to talk, that's what they think about us anyway. Oh, you go to that church, you better look out. They'll run over you. Or they might grab you by the hand and try to get you to dance. Well, I'm not going to try to make anybody do anything. But I feel like when if I get excited about what God's done for me, I might just dance anyway. Or I might just lift my hands to the Lord. I, or I might just clap my hands or shout out loud. I don't think there's anything wrong with expressing ourselves to the Lord. Matter of fact, it's in order. It's not even up for really a debate. It's not really up for an opinion of the facts or the facts. God saved your soul, washed away your sin, filled you with his spirit, coming back to get you one day. I think that's worthy of some expressive worship. I don't even have to go to the old sports arena analogy, do I? Your team wins. Hey, it ain't even got to be vocal. You got the jersey. You got the hat. You got the socks. You got the belt. You got the bumper sticker. You got the flags flying off your car. All that's an expression of I support this team. This is my team. I'm behind this team. They're going to win. Win or lose, I bleed red or black. I mean, that's how it is around this town. Come on, that's how it is. You know what? What about God? You want to talk about red and black? What about these red letters and black letters? What about this book? I don't want to, just, I don't want to bleed red and black. I want to read red and black. I want to worship red and black. I want to worship the Lord. And, hey, I ain't nothing wrong with having your favorite sports team. More power to you. I love it. I, I, when, as long as Boston's in the World Series, I'm I'm fine. I don't even worry about the Braves no more. I don't even count them. But uh, but Boston's my team. I love Boston, and so I bought. I've got a Boston hat. I've got a Boston shirt. Great. But they're just a baseball team, and ain't a single person on that team knows me or even cares what I do. But God cares. And I think that it's all right to be expressive in our worship to him. I think that we ought to fly the flag for him. I think we ought to uh, be holding up the banner for him. We used to sing songs about holding up the blood-stained banner. You know, we, we don't need to be trying to hide away and do this thing in a corner. We need to be worshiping God. And I'm not talking about when you get to Walmart, grab your buggy, and run down the aisle shouting. I'm not talking about making a fool of yourself or making a spectacle of God. But let me tell you something, there ain't nothing wrong with praising God anywhere, regardless of what this world thinks about it. There ain't nothing wrong with lifting your voice to worship God no matter. And if God moved on you to pull your car over and get out and shout, then do it. I've heard people say, hey, I just had to pull over and get out and dance. That's fine. Do it. People think I'm crazy. They think you're crazy anyway in this world if you worship God. 
I think that it's all right. How can I think about where he brought me from and not express my gratitude and my worship to him? It's important to remind yourself where he brought you from. It's important to remind yourself of times when you have just let yourself go because you felt the presence of God so strong. Because oftentimes when you feel that, it is when you are the most undeserving, when you are at your lowest point. It ain't, I, only feel, I always feel the presence when I'm getting everything right. You know, a lot of times when I feel it is when I'm brokenhearted, when I'm down, when I'm discouraged, because he's trying to let me know, hey, I love you. I'm with you. I'm behind you. You're going to make it. And it reminds me that when I am just empty-handed, I have nothing to offer, God is still watching me. And so I'm going to keep worshiping him. I'm going to worship him uh, before I feel him. We ought to get in the habit of that. When they come out on, that, on them ball fields, we're screaming and hollering. There ain't been a run scored yet because we're expecting our team to come through. You know what? I'm lifting my hands and praising him before I feel anything because it ain't about what I feel. It's about who he is, and he's worthy of it. And so I lift my hands and I praise him, and I shout sometimes and I dance sometimes before I ever feel him. So well, you're, then you're doing that in the flesh. What else have I got? I ain't got no other body to step into and worship on this planet. David didn't have no other body when he danced before the Lord with all his might. He was doing it out of what he had. This is all I got to work with here. And so I'm not going to sit back and say, well, uh, you know, it's just my flesh. So I don't, I don't want to be in the flesh. I don't want to see you get out of the flesh. But I want to be honest about it. But I'd love to see people just worship God in the flesh. From the very beginning of time, since creation, God desires worship of his creation. I believe it. He's worthy of it. When uh, Jesus was riding into Jerusalem and the people began to lay down palm leaves and cry out and worship him, the Pharisees are there. They see this happening and they're like, you need to stop this. Can't you hear what they're saying? And Jesus said, if they hold their peace then the rocks will immediately cry out. Now the Pharisees see what's happening. All these people see what's happening. They're all looking at the same Jesus, but they're not seeing the same thing. How is it that the ones that are supposed to be the religious elite can't even see who he is? But you want to know who was throwing the clothes down and their jackets down and their garments down and the palm leaves down? It was the people that had had their eyes healed. It was the people that had had uh, maybe had been at that wedding where that miracle took place. It was the ones that knew about him walking on water or, or raising people from the dead. It was, it was the people that he had spoke hope to or showed love and mercy to. It was people that knew he loved me, he's helped me, he's brought me from a long way. They had a reason to worship. They wanted to worship him. They wanted to praise him because they remembered what it was like before he came along. They remembered what it was like before he stepped in and spoke a word to them. I remember what it was like before Jesus, don't you? 
I remember what it was like before he filled me with the Spirit. I remember what it was like to be lost. I remember what it was like to know that if he don't step in, I'm not going to make it. But he did. And I'm thankful today that I can worship God in spirit and in truth. And if I have to get a little expressive about it, there ain't nothing wrong with that either. It's just what do you see when you see Jesus? He's not a God far off. He's not a God that's uncaring. He's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. I won't leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. He's got a, uh, he, he wants to be part of your life. But worship is required. It's not an option. For the Lord seeketh such to worship him in spirit and truth. God is looking for people to worship him in spirit and in truth. And Jesus said, and I don't know if he meant this literally or if there's some kind of secret meaning here that I've looked at and I don't understand, but he said the rocks would cry out. I have no idea what kind of rocks, what kind of noise rocks make. I don't know. But maybe he was just trying to say, I created these people that's worshiping. I created you. And if it gets quiet around here, something I created is going to worship me. I'm the, I, I'm, you know, a rock ain't much. A little old rock, you know, we, we get, rake them out of our yards. We throw them in pits. We, you know, we just get rid of them. We don't care much about rocks. We don't want to step on them. We don't want to kick them. We don't care about rocks. So maybe he's saying the lowest of anything that's around here will praise me because I'm worthy. And you might feel low down like a rock. Maybe you feel cold like a rock. It don't matter. Maybe you feel lifeless like a rock. It don't matter. He's worthy of, of praise and worship and glory and honor regardless of how we feel. And so uh, that's part of the last lesson, the attitude of worship. He's always worthy of worship regardless of how we feel or what is going on in life. He's worthy of worship. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Ain't nothing changes that. We don't need any additional reason to worship him. But then you realize that God himself chose you and me specifically from many different walks of life to deliver us from all kinds of addiction, sinful behavior, captivity. When we realize that, that only heightens the need for us to worship him. You know, if I, if I had just been pristine and perfect, I mean, you know, just flawless, and you walk in before God and say, hey, I, you ain't got to fix nothing on me. If we could actually achieve being sinless, never had the curse brought on us and stand before him, we might have a little bit to argue. You didn't have to do anything. Look, I'm sinless. I ain't done anything. I'm just like you were. But we're not. Yeah. And so he's, when we think about what he's done, that we had to have the blood of Jesus over our life so we could be sin-free. We knew that we had to be born of water and born of the Spirit so we could enter into the kingdom of God, and he has allowed that. That somewhere, somehow, God got you and got you into a place where you could hear his truth, got you in a place where you could obey the gospel, got you in a place where he could start working on you and preparing you, uh, saving you, fixing you, breaking chains, closing doors, opening doors, whatever it is he did in your life. When you start remembering all he has done for you, how can you be quiet? How can you be silent? How can you not worship God? I believe in people expressing their worship to God. 
Well, it embarrasses me. Get over it. Is that harsh? <laughs> I mean, really. Because we push aside a lot of things to involve ourselves in many other activities. I know people that's you know they 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 backwards and 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 you know introverted and and shy and all this stuff, but man, they'll get up and sing karaoke in front of people. Or they'll get up and do all kind of other things in front of people. And they and they they can push everything aside for that worldly stuff. Yet, just try to get somebody to to lift their hands or shout or worship God. It's like, oh no, oh, people thinking I'm weird. Who's going to think you're weird? You see all these other people doing it? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let's exalt his name together. There's something going on that the church is involved in. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. <laughs> you know, uh, everybody. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. You say, well, that's just talking about breath and praise. No, he's ending that uh, whole list of praising saying, look, Everybody that's alive, praise him in one of these fashions. Not just, well, I'm just going to, I think I'll just, every once in a while I'll say praise the Lord and I'm fulfilling that scripture. He, he's got a whole list of things to do of how you can praise God. And he's saying, so let everything that has breath praise you the Lord. If you're breathing and alive, you ought to be praising God. They was throwing their coat on the ground. They was laying down their identity. They was throwing, they was, somebody was tearing somebody's tree up breaking branches, I'm sure somebody probably was upset. Hey, you know how long I've had that bush? Don't care. God's coming by. <laughs> it ain't about your bush no more. He, he made it anyway. And they're like, we're going to do something to praise him. And they caused such a stir that people, that the, the religious folks got upset. You, you see what they're saying? Tell them to hush their mouth. And they just praising God, blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord, just praising God and worshiping God. Didn't care because of what God had done for them. I think that we need to be expressive in our worship. I don't think that we need to ever be shy about that. I, again, you've got common sense. I'm not telling you to make a fool out of yourself. I don't want to see nobody running up through here and cannonballing into the baptistry and things like that. I don't want to see no nonsense like that. I don't see you trying to backflip off the wall or parkour over the sound booth. You've got a brain. Use it. But you've got a mouth. You've got a voice. And you've got a reason. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Worship God. Worship him. There is nothing more freeing on this planet than to lift your hands and your voice and worship God. Man, when you begin to lift your voice and you just worship God, let me tell you, whatever you're going through, it's still the, it might still be there. But, also, but you're getting strength. You're getting perspective. You're getting help. You're getting a refreshing. And for a brief moment in time, uh, you're, you're, you're free of it. For a brief moment, you're just free of everything because right now you're in His presence. And where the presence of the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And all of a sudden, you, it ain't, you know, yeah, it, when I get done with this, bills will still be there. Uh, sickness might still be there. 
but I just got a refreshing, I just got an encouragement, I just got a blessing from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and, and he's God Almighty, he's got it in his hand, I've given it to him, it's going to be all right, I trust him. He's worthy of that worship. And each day that we wake up free from that former life of bondage that he delivered us from, we ought to wake up, thank him, praise him, and worship him. I ain't talking about just barely rubbing the sleep out of it. I'm talking about from deep within. You should express your thankfulness that we no longer walk after the flesh. Man, to wake up and know that if that trumpet goes off right now, I'm out of here. Man, that's a great feeling. To know that if he comes back right now, I'm out of here. That's a great feeling. But to uh, remember when, and I've said this before in my testimony, I've told you, I said, I can remember laying down at night before I ever got in church. But I've always, you know, for a long time, from my early teens, I believed that the Lord was coming back. I believed it. And I would lay down and sometimes... After being out all night doing all kind of whatever, and before I would shut my eyes, before I would finally drift off to sleep, I would say, Lord, don't come back tonight. Because I knew. I, it no, it's, well, why didn't it just get right? I don't know. Why do we ever wait? I don't know. Uh, that stupid flesh that we have, I don't know what it is, but I know that many times I would get ready to shut my eyes, and I would say, God, just don't come back tonight. Don't come back tonight. Don't come back tonight. That is an awful way to go to sleep. That is an awful way to live your life, knowing that if he comes back, I'm not going. I'm thankful for what he's done. I'm thankful for what he delivered me from. I'm thankful that he got me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm thankful that he got me out of that horrible pit, out of that miry clay. I'm thankful that he set me on a solid rock. I want to worship God. I'm talking about... He took, took us out of the worst places, out of the garbage pile, out of the, out of the back alleys and, and drug houses and all kind of filth. Took us out of those places. Washed us up with his blood. Washed us whiter than snow. Cleansed us. Filled us with his spirit. That spirit that adopts us. Now we cry, Abba, Father. God has made something out of our life. There's going to be an expression of worship. Or if I, could, if I didn't feel like worshiping God, I'd have to wonder, did he do anything at all? The outward evidence of worship is simply an expression of what's inside. The word, even the word expression, is an act, a process, or an instance of representing in a medium such as words, something that manifests, embodies, or symbolizes something else. It's a significant word or phrase, or it's a mode, a means, or use of significant representation or symbolism, especially vivid indication or depiction of mood or sentiment. Uh, when you worship, you're given a vivid interpretation, a, a vivid uh, depiction of your mood or your sentiment. When you see somebody with those hands up and they're just, they're, and tears are flowing and they don't care what they look like, they're just crying and worshiping. And they're not worried about it because, hey, this ain't no fashion show. This, this, ain't, this ain't the dating game. This is where you come to worship God. 
to this one. You want to see? Hey, you want to see where people? You want to see what people really look like? Go to church. Don't look on on social media because they filtered to death. You ain't got no idea what they really like. Come to church and look at them when they're in the altar. You're gonna see exactly what they look like. Let me see what. Okay. Oh, I wouldn't even known that was you. The people all start wearing name tags so they could recognize each other. Everybody got them soft pastel. Faces with puppy dog noses. I mean, how do you know who anybody is? I don't know how I can tell who nobody is. But you want to see what they look like? And I ain't just talking about seeing what they look You want to see who they are? Watch them in church. You want to see who somebody is? Watch them in church. See how they act in church. See, see, do they worship God? Do they praise God? Do they lift their hands? Do they lift their voice? Are they involved? Well, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart about God? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What do you think about God in your heart? What do you think, uh, you know, about what he's done? That's how, that's how you'll be. And, and David, he didn't have any reluctance about worshiping God. He knew that the same God that watched over him in the fields was the same God who... Uh, has now elevated him to be king over all Israel. And underneath that, that kingly robe was still the heart of that shepherd boy. No one around him knew all that God had done for him, but David knew. Nobody knows like you know what God's done for you. But they can tell something's going on by the way you worship. Now when we were... Our scripture focused, David and Israel, they're bringing the ark back to Jerusalem, and it had been gone a long time. And the first time they tried to bring it back, they tried to do their own thing with it, put it on a cart, and ended up getting a man killed because you can't just do it how you want to do it. There's a way to do everything. And so David finds out the way of carrying the ark, and they get the plan, they're carrying the ark, and together they're bringing uh, this physical symbol is the great to them at that time that's the greatest physical symbol of God that they had it was the glory of God and so they were bringing it back to Jerusalem and during that journey David began to become expressive in his worship and he danced before the Lord in 2 Samuel 6 and 14 and 15 it says and David danced before the Lord with all his might and and I just don't like for people to say well that was David But David is no different than you and I. He was a man that God anointed. Listen, David wasn't even filled with the Holy Ghost like we are. And so, you know, David could say, man, what a great age y'all live in to be filled with the Spirit of God like that, you know. Uh, But it's not about even comparing. It's just about what you do. It doesn't matter if it was David or Samuel or somebody named Jethro. It don't matter. It's God. You worship God. And so David dances with all his might. And David was girded with a lemon ephod. And and David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting. Everybody, all of Israel, all the house of Israel. Now, you think everybody could hold the ark? Mm -mm, Because it wasn't even supposed to be. Only the priest could carry it. But all of them had part and bringing this glory back. All of them, since they brought it up with shouting 
and trumpets. Somebody was playing. Somebody was shouting. Somebody was dancing. Let me tell you, everybody was involved in the worship. They, they knew this thing was coming. Wasn't nobody sneaking back into the city with the ark. This is the glory of God, and you just don't be quiet when the glory of God is coming back. You're shouting. You're worshiping. You're praising God. You're, you're getting with it. It was an, a visible expression as they brought it back. David provided a visible demonstration of worship that accompanied the Ark of the Covenant. His worship, uh, which derived from an understanding of who God was and what God had done, it served as a model for the people of how to worship. David's worship was an outward expression of what he felt on the inside as he accompanied the presence of the Almighty into the city of Jerusalem. You know, sometimes it's good that somebody can see you worship. Because it teaches people that's what we do. It's not to put on a show. It's to help people understand this is who we are and this is what we do. We serve a God who has saved us, washed us, blessed us, and we worship him. I like to express my worship. As long as God gives me strength in his body, I will. I understand it comes a time. We've had people in our, in our presence that they, their bodies uh, would not allow them to run the aisles. Or sometimes it wouldn't even allow them to stand. But you could see the expression on their face. That, and they would lift their voice and worship. They would do everything that their body would let them do. So they could praise God and give him worship. Because no matter how old they were or feeble they were, he was still God. And he was still worthy of that worship. But everybody don't feel the same way about God. And maybe they don't fully understand. Maybe they haven't had the same experience. Now, somebody that has never experienced what God can do, I understand they're not going to jump and run and shout and carry on. They, 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 they look around wondering what's going on. But sometimes people just don't like other folks at worship. Maybe it's because it convicts them and makes them feel bad. I don't know. But in Samuel 6 and 16, you see David's wife, Michael, is very displeased with the display her husband is putting on. And it ain't the first time somebody close to somebody who worshipped caught an earful from somebody in their family. Job fell down and worshipped, and his wife came up and said, Do you still retain your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? I don't get it, Job. I don't get it. Michael's looking at David. I don't get it. You're the king. You're my husband, and you have embarrassed me. You know, there's one thing about, uh, I'll say about Michael, is that she should have picked up on some things from David, but you never read anywhere where Saul taught his kids how to worship. Saul was all about being the king. That was it. I'm the king, and I don't want to lose the kingship. That's why he tried to stick David to the wall with a javelin. David's playing and singing, and Saul's trying to kill him. What more? What, what did Saul say? What more can he have but the kingdom? They're singing songs about him, and now what else can he have but the kingdom? He didn't want to lose the kingdom. He said, if I kill David, I ain't got to worry about him. And he was trying to kill this man who only wanted to worship God. David was never Saul's enemy. And David was never set out. Uh, let me tell you, I don't even believe David was thinking about Michael while he was worshiping. He wasn't trying to embarrass his wife. He wasn't trying to uh, 
be any kind of way. She just didn't know God the same way David did. She wasn't out there when uh, he killed that giant. She wasn't out there when he killed that lion and that bear because God delivered it into his hands. She didn't know what he had done. And, uh, you know, there's no saying that a man with an argument is no man, no match for a man with an experience. Now, we would never try to stop anybody from thinking a doctor or a surgeon or a fireman or a policeman who had saved their life. Man, if, if a fireman had pulled you out of a burning building and saved your life or saved your kids and things like that, man, you'd be sending him flowers and gift cards and, and cutting his grass and cleaning his gutters out. You'd be doing everything you could to show your uh, thankfulness to him. You'd be posting it, pictures of him on social media. This man saved every year on the anniversary. You'd probably be sending him something. I wouldn't be alive if you hadn't done this on this day. And we'd never try to, well, that's fine. I would be very grateful to someone who would risk their life to save me. But Jesus gave his life to save me. So why wouldn't I thank him? And why would I ever try to stop somebody from praising him? Why would I ever try to stop somebody from worshiping? Why would I ever try to say, hey, look, look, you need to calm down a little bit. Worship God again. You've got sense. Worship don't involve kicking keyboards over and and, and things like that. Uh, you, you know, you go come up here and kick that keyboard over. I'm going to have you by the back of the belt, and we're going to be going toward the door. We're going to have a talk about that. That's, that's senseless. But people worship God and praise God and dance before the Lord. And, and when it's in the right perspective, it's all right. But see... Michael tried to turn it around and make it. She, she equated uh, David's worship to him being vain. It's all about you. But David said, oh, no, it was God. It was before the Lord who chose me. And then this little jab, before your father. So why you want to get on me? I was worshiping the Lord who chose me. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about that. It was, it was about praising God and worshiping God and, and what he's done for me. You don't know, Michael, what he's done for me. And, and it, it actually because of what he did for me is why you're married to me now. He got Michael in the package deal from slaying Goliath. And so, uh, you know, how are you going to stop somebody, especially, uh, can you not see what's going on? David's worship, he's blessing Israel. He's giving everybody bread and food and wine and sending them off, and they're all going home blessed. And it says now he's headed back to his house. But before he can get inside, she steps out and meets him. Oh, big king today. Just going on. Why are you shameless uncovering yourself and your vanity and acting all, you know, just like all these vain fellows do and, and showing off in front of all these women? And, and so, of course, David sets her right, tells her, Listen, I'll be more vile than this the next time that I worship. And I'll be more, even more base, more humble in my own sight. Because I know that I'm nothing and that he's everything. And that's why I worship the way I do. Because I know when I was nothing but a shepherd boy sitting on the other side of the hill, 
he, he, he was in my life. But then he sent for me and anointed me and made me king over his people. I know where God has brought me from. And I got something inside that I can't contain. I got something going on in here that I'm not going to bottle up and stop. God has been too good for me to be quiet. God has been too good for me to shut my mouth. God has been too good to me. He's, he's done too much for me. And so these ladies that you're talking about, I'm going to be held in honor of them. And uh, it says, and now, it doesn't say there was any blessing for his household, but Michael had no children in her life. She had a husband. She had no children. And you better be careful about cutting people's worship, mocking people's worship, frowning at people's worship. Don't challenge people's worship. Let them worship God. You don't know like they know what God's done for them. Honey, you can come to the music. I know I'm winding down. I've, I've about run out of time. But the heart of David, that, that, that heart of that shepherd was, was telling Michael, hey, I, I see myself as low in station when it compares to God. David didn't care that he was the king. He lost that robe because he's the king of kings. When it comes to me, I'm nothing. It's all about him. It doesn't matter the role that he was called to fulfill. We never get so big. We never get into a position that we don't worship God. We never get so mature or so adult that we stop worshiping God. And I, they would say, for, for all of us who are, are, are parents especially, the, one of the greatest things you can ever teach your kids is to worship God. Man, teach them everything else. Teach them all kind of stuff. Man, kids are wonderful, and it's great to watch them learn, great to watch them walk and climb, to learn how to fish and to shoot and to catch a ball and things. I love watching kids grow and learn how to do things. But as a parent, all that has to fall to the side when it comes to God. I've got to teach them about God. I've got to teach them to love God, to worship God. Man, that's Bible. Teach them to be a worshiper. Teach your kids to worship God because that's a, that's a relationship builder that this world can't teach. That's a relationship builder that, that uh, if they worship God, there's going to be experiences with God. David was a worshiper, and he had many experiences and victories. And even in the hard times, he came through because he was still a worshiper of God. You know what he did right after that child died? And it was his fault. He got up, he washed his face, changed his clothes, anointed himself, and he went and worshiped. You mean you're going to go in there and worship, and that boy's dead because what else am I going to do? I'm going to stop worshiping God because I made a mistake? No. This is the only chance I got because that boy ain't coming back, but I can go to him, and that's the only chance I got. And so I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to keep worshiping God. David wrote in Psalm 9, 1 and 2, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart, and I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. And then in Psalm 86 and 10, he said, For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. 
Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me. And thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. David knew no matter what role he held on earth, he was still indebted to the Creator. And so his worship should reflect his position in the relationship. So much like David, we must always keep our alignment with God in the forefront of our minds. And when we look at God from this perspective, it's easy to worship in a visible, outward expression. They ought to be able to see it on our face. You know, so many times when we say, hey, let's lift our hands and worship. That's just, hey, let's, we, sh- we shouldn't even have to say it. Because we ought to just worship. Throw our hands up and worship. But we do that because we want everybody to worship together. We want people to worship this king together. We want to exalt him together. Because, hey, we are one body by one spirit. Amen. And so we need to worship together. Let's stand this morning. And as she's playing for just a moment, why don't we do that? Why don't we lift our hands to him and just thank him all over again, worship him, give him praise. You might think of something that he did for you way back. Remember when God stepped in and delivered you or helped you? Remember the first time you really felt the power of the Holy Ghost? and Or maybe when he filled you with the Holy Ghost. Maybe you can think back to the day you were baptized in Jesus' name or uh, you repented of your sins. But what about when that presence came over you? Hallelujah. He kept you from dying, washed over you. So many times we could have been out of this world if it hadn't been for the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just worship for another moment. Not asking for anything, not not no needs right now, just thanking God and worshiping God. Go ahead and clap your hands to him this morning. What a great God.